Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. So we're in a series right now and, uh, and the series, uh, Your Kingdom Come, is actually the theme for the year. So let me just begin by telling you a story. I was driving home from work the other day and uh, I pulled up at the um, traffic lights and there was cars everywhere. It was about 5.30 in the afternoon. There's you know, cars behind me, cars in front of me, and uh, it's just a very busy time on the roads. And as I'm sitting there in the car, a man begins to walk across the street. And as he walks across, he turns and he looks at me, and I recognize this man. We used to run a ministry at Activate Church called The Vault. And the vault was a place where we, we fed people uh, that um, they might have been homeless, they might have just been uh, lonely, but there were people that were in need. And I recognized uh, this guy, because he used to regularly come to the vault. His name was Peter. And so Peter came and uh, he saw, I don't know if he saw me or if it was just random. He might have done this to anyone, but he was walking across the road and then he sort of turned. And in the middle of the intersection, he walked over to me and right up to my car. I was on the phone at the time. And so the guy that I was speaking to, I said, oh, I'm going to have to call you back. Hung up the phone. I wound down the window. And uh, Peter spoke to me. He said, um, he goes, oh, hello, how are you? I said, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Great. Hey, listen, uh, he said to me, are you driving back up the road uh, to go towards KFC? I said, no. I said, I'm actually running late. Uh, I need to get home. I'm turning left. And he goes, oh, okay. He says, well, I was looking for a lift and I was hoping that you'd be able to, that I could jump in your car and you could drive me the other way. I said, look, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. But he wasn't that far from where he wanted to go. And he said, look, the problem is that my leg is really sore and my ankle's in pain and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I don't know if I can uh, walk that far. I said, oh, is that all this? I said, oh, thank God. Well, listen, can I pray for you? And he says, uh, yeah. So in the middle of the intersection, I leaned out my car and I put my hand on him. I pray in Jesus' name, I pray that you just heal this man's leg. Uh, da, 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 I, amen. So he sort of looks at me and I said, how do you feel? He's like, okay. He said, can you still drive me? And I said, no, I'm not driving you. I'm going home. You got, you got what you needed. Now I need to get out of here. So, so you know, I, I hope he was healed. I don't really know what happened there. I drove because I drove off on him. But I hope he was healed. So, so anyway, I, you know, that, that's what it's like to do life um, as, a, as, as a Christian, I think, is that sometimes the situation just demands that we can solve it. And I couldn't be in two places at once. I could only be one, but actually the solution to the problem, which often sometimes I think we don't always see, is all he really needed was his leg to be healed. So I just prayed for him and believed that it was. And then I drove off and didn't check out the results. But I, I know, uh, you know that, that God wants to heal. I believe he does, and he continues to do so. In fact, even yesterday, uh, my son Isaac, he, he came in and... Um, Sarah grabbed him and said, oh, look at his face. And he had a huge welt on his face and a rash all down his arms. It was like he was bitten by something, but it was raised. There was dots all around it and it wasn't looking very good and it was actually getting bigger. And I said, oh, okay. So, well, hey, let's pray for this. So I prayed the first time and nothing happened. I prayed the second time and nothing happened. I prayed the third time and I watched it dissolve in front of me and the entire welt disappear. And we looked at his arm and he was completely healed, instantaneously healed. And, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching that raised purple skin just disappear and dissolve in front of my eyes and go back to normal. The thing about life with Jesus is, is it takes ordinary situations and it makes them extraordinary. It makes them extraordinary. What would have been a normal day, take my child to the doctor, 
what would have been a normal day for me becomes an extraordinary event that I get to share with people because God did something supernatural in that moment. And to be honest, it begins, the the, the life with Jesus begins with a vision of who you are and who you have been created to be. That's where it begins. And I'm not talking necessarily about you specifically, but I'm talking about God. I'm talking about His people. You've got to get a picture about who you've been created to be. And it starts there because when you know who you've been created to be, you know what you need to do. If you think about any um, special forces, uh, you know, people that have gone through training, like if you're in the special operations group in the police force, you better believe that when they're not in uniform, if a situation breaks out, instantly they know what to do because it's who they are. They don't clock on and clock off. It's just like Christians, you know, we don't clock on and clock off. We know who we are. We know who we've been created to be. And once we know that, we know what to do in every situation. Woody, Woody Allen, who's an actor and, and producer and, and director, he said this, my only regret in life is that I wasn't somebody else. <laughs> my only regret in life was that I wasn't somebody else. How demoralizing can it get? That demoralizing. Do you know how you wish that you were somebody else? You look at their life and the only way you can wish you were somebody else is you begin to compare your life to theirs. Otherwise, why would you ever wish that you were someone else? And if you begin to compare your life to another person's and say, I, I, I wish that I had a different life, what you're really saying is, I wish I had different experiences. And you know, I really do think that as Christian people, that we could live the same way. Imagine if we start to get um, on in our years and we start to look back and say, do you know what? I wish I did something different with the time that I had. I wished I lived a different life. I wish the stories and the testimonies didn't belong to the people around me. I wish that I lived the kind of life that I got to see what I read about in God's Word. I wish that that was my life. You too could end up like Woody Allen and say, I wish that my experiences in life were different. I tell you what, I just made a decision some time ago that I didn't want to live in regret later on. So I don't want to live in regret later on. That means I've got to start to live the kind of life now that I want so that when I am older in my years, I can look back and say, I'm so glad that I did what I needed to do with the time that I have. And, and you know what? I think as Christian people, we, we do not want to live in regret. I want to talk to you about something today. Uh, it's really a scripture. And if you follow this scripture, and if you're able to understand what I'm going to talk about today, I don't believe that you're going to live in regret. This is probably my favorite scripture. And this is Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And when Jesus was saying this, he was in the middle of the greatest sermon that was ever told. It was the Sermon on the Mount. And it goes, if you read the book of Matthew, it goes through uh, chapters 5 and 6 and 7. And this is straight out of chapter 6. And in chapter 6, Jesus begins to speak to, to his uh, disciples and the people that are around. And he, as he talks to them, he speak, he, first of all, he shares you know, the, the Lord's Prayer. He says, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the curse of sin on this earth. You know what? I don't think that Jesus was under the curse. So it's less likely that that was the Lord's prayer. It's more likely that that's our prayer. Because why would Jesus say, deliver me from the curse of sin when he was never under the curse of sin? So that's his prayer. And then he goes straight from talking about that into fasting. By the way, fasting is a part of Christian living. If you've never fasted, you may want to look into that. I'll let you do that in your own time. He then moves on. He starts about, talks about storing treasures in heaven. And he says, listen, you know, don't store treasures on the earth where moth and rust can come and erode those things and destroy it. Straight out of that, he starts to speak about not living in fear and not living with anxiousness. Do you know why I think Jesus said that? Because the truth is the kind of person that lives a life where they store treasures in heaven is the kind of person that needs to constantly or maybe sometimes be reminded not to worry about things that are happening down here. Because when you start to engage with that life or you start to store everything in heaven, instantly, if that becomes your focus, sometimes other things can begin to crop up in life. So what does he say? He says, hey, listen, don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink. It's in direct relation to storing treasures in heaven. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat and don't worry about your drink or what you wear. Forget about all of these things. Don't be anxious. And in the middle of talking about fear, in the middle of talking about loss, in the middle of talking about what will, where will you live and what will your shelter be, and in the middle of all of this, he says, hey, by the way, let me make it really clear to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And when he said that, you must understand that it is a process. It's a very simple process, but it's a process. It's a two-step process. If you seek first the kingdom of God, these things will be added to you. Well, what are the things? Well, the things are the stuff that people get anxious about. The things are the stuff that people get worried about. Here we go. When people become anxious, their anxiousness causes or it will cause you to aim at your fears. When someone becomes anxious, when, they, when they're filled with anxiousness about what they might lose in life, they begin to look at the loss. They begin to focus on their fears. And, you know, I think it's so interesting that, you know, in the middle of talking about loss, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom because he knows that when people get anxious, they forget to seek first the kingdom. They begin to look at everything that they could lose. Jesus said, do the exact opposite. Isn't it funny how he says, so often Jesus says, do the exact opposite. And the reason why it's so important that we understand this is that when you're aiming at things in life, you could end up aiming at what's added instead of aiming at the kingdom. Because what's added is the stuff that we're afraid of losing. If you're afraid of, of, uh, if, if you're afraid of uh, not having uh, enough money and you're wanting to be financially secure, you'll spend your life aiming at being financially secure because that's the thing that you're afraid of losing. If you're afraid of not being financially secure, it's, it's probably rare, if that is the dominant fear and concern and focus with your life, it's probably rare to have the same kind of person who completely focuses on the kingdom of God. He says, if you focus on the kingdom, the things that you're worried about losing, those will be the things that are added. We sometimes just do life in reverse. This is what the Bible says in Philippians. He says, I press on. This is Paul. He says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's just look at that again. I press on towards the goal for the prize. I press on towards the goal for the prize. Let me explain this. Imagine if you are playing basketball and you're in the grand final 
And the prize is the trophy. Okay, are you ready? Try to get the trophy without scoring a goal. And how are you going to do that? How are you supposed to aim for the prize? The prize is what you get when you aim for the goal. If you aim for the prize, you'll miss the goal and you'll miss everything entirely. In fact, you won't even get it. But if you aim for the goal, you get the prize. So here is really simply my question to you today. What are you really aiming for? What are you aiming for? Because I would hate it to be a fact for you that you aim at what you're afraid of losing instead of aiming at seeking first the kingdom. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. So just think for a moment, what are you really aiming at? Is your focus, is your energy, is your attention, is that fixated on what you're going to lose if you seek the kingdom? Is it the stuff that you're concerned about most? Is that the, the fear of your heart? What will happen if I actually end up doing these things or living out that life? Do you know, I was reading the book of Timothy earlier this week and Paul says to Timothy, wage the good warfare. In fact, let me read it to you. He says, wage the good warfare and in direct reference, I should be able to find it because I was just reading it. This is what he says. I charge this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made about you, that by them you wage the good warfare. There are prophecies that have been made and spoken out over Timothy. He's saying, wage the good warfare. Don't give up. Don't worry about all the other things. Focus on the prophecy. Focus on the thing that God calls you to do. Because if you focus on that, all these things will be added. In fact, he must have really been trying to make a point with Timothy because he says it again in chapter 4. In verse 14, he says, Do not let, neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by the, by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Isn't that interesting? He says it in, he writes another letter later on down the track in 2 Timothy. He says this, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Isn't it interesting that he wants to keep reminding Timothy what the goal is, keep reminding Timothy what his focus could be, because he says to him, listen, you're a young pastor in, in, in this church, and I know that you're afraid of many things, but can I just remind you that when we spoke to you, we said focus on these things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the call of God on your life. Do you know when it comes to promises and prophecy, when it comes to dreams and visions over your life, they are not a foregone conclusion. Just because God says something to you doesn't mean that it will automatically happen. What you need to do is live the kind of life now that pursues it. So when you get older, you don't regret that you didn't do it. Because I think a pain in your heart at the end of your life will be, why didn't I at least give it a shot? I was filled with fear. I was worried about what would have happened if I had have gone for it. And um, let me just save you the trouble right now. Don't live, don't plan a life right now that will end up being regret later on. Do what God told you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and the things that you're worried about will take care of themselves. In fact, this is what the Father said. It's, you know, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, right before this verse. He says, the Gentiles, they go after worldly things, but your Father in heaven, He knows that you you need them. 
So if your Father in heaven knows that you need them, He then follows it up with, so in the light of the fact that God is able to do all things and provide to you in your time of need, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the things that you need, all the things that you're worried about, all the things that are stealing your attention, all the things that are stealing your focus, all the things that you could end up pursuing in life, but then get to the end, look back and go, why did I spend my life chasing that when I could have done something so much more? He says, those things will be added. Just do what right. Just know what's right. Get really clear on what the goal is. And once you know the goal, you're able to move forwards. If you aim at what you're afraid of losing, you will end up focusing on it. And can I suggest to you that is a terrible, terrible approach to life. Just a bad approach to life. So what's the goal? If I, oh, sorry, I'll skip that slide. I'm trying to move quickly. The goal is obedience and seeking first to kingdom. That's the goal. The goal in life is obedience. First of all, it's obedience. Do you know obedience looks different for us all? First of all, I am not suggesting in any way that people should go into, it's not, this is not about um, full-time ministry. Far be it. You have to be where you are in the workplace. You need to just be obedient to what God says to you. When you're obedient to what God says to you, that's actually seeking first the kingdom. So at least just be true to yourself. That's the goal. And here's the prize. The prize is you invite, it's an invitation to invite God into your life to, and, and you get a father who can meet every need that you have. See, if you do it in reverse, you don't get this. You spend your life focusing on the stuff instead of focusing on Him. I'm just suggesting that you end up doing life the other way around. This is what the Bible says in Matthew. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Isn't that just weird? Didn't Jesus say the craziest things? Whoever would save his life, if you're trying to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you decide to lose your life, for my sake, you'll find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Listen, this is important too. It says, For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and He will repay each person according to what He's done. Here is that's the summary of that. If you aim to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for Jesus, then you'll actually end up saving it. It is the upside down kingdom. It is the th- He does things in reverse all the time. That's why it is so important that we always renew our minds in what He says and not just always follow what our heart longs for and desires because sometimes we can get these things out of order. The prophet of 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 gaining the whole world is simply the mass accumulation of stuff on this earth. It's the mass accumulation of stuff on this earth. And even if you got everything, imagine if you got everything here, you were always, you were never in need on the, in this place. Eventually you'll enjoy it at, at best for what? Like a hundred years if you're lucky. And when you get to the end of that hundred years, you'll go to a place where you've stored nothing. Now, if you're going to really be a good steward of your resources, are you not better to store things eternally and forget about the stuff that you're storing here earthly? Wouldn't you do well and be better in your approach to life to think about storing things in heaven instead of storing things on earth? Even if you get everything here, I don't even know what that means, okay? But even if you got everything here, when you go there, you haven't stored anything. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the things that you need here will be added to you. When Jesus said this, do you know who He was talking to? He wasn't talking to the Pharisees. He wasn't speaking to the Gentiles. 
He was speaking to His disciples. And what are we? We're His disciples. You know what He's really aiming at here? Jesus is taking aim at this right now. He's saying there are Christian people who swerve from their intended purpose because they can become preoccupied with gaining the world. So let me talk about gaining the world for one moment. I'm going to bring this to a close as quickly as I can. In the previous verses, in the previous verses, Jesus says, don't worship God and money. The word money, many of you will know that the word money, if it's translated, is actually mammon. And mammon was a false god. And, and, and supposedly, I mean, if you worship the god of money, then maybe that you'll end up getting more money. If you, if you worship him, you'll end up getting more money and you'll be okay. And here's G- Jesus's point, as simple as it can be. He says, you cannot have two masters. Eventually you'll choose one. You can try to live life pursuing the world and God at the same time. But he says, you won't do it simultaneously. These are not parallel journeys. Eventually there will come a point in your life where there will be an intersection and you'll make a decision. And he's trying to encourage people to make the right one. He's trying to encourage people to make the decision to seek first the kingdom and to forget about all the other things. Now, let me just say this really quickly. It's not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to be financially secure. It's not a sin to have any of these things. In fact, to be honest, I think that these things are really good. I think that God would love that Christians were wealthy because then they can resource heaven. Then they can begin to get behind things and they can begin to resource the church. It's not a sin to be secure. It's not a sin to be wealthy. wealthy. It's unhealthy to attach your identity to it, but it absolutely is a sin. And hear me really clearly, it absolutely is a sin to take any of those things and to put those things before your Father in heaven. That is a sin. It is a sin to take the things that we find here and make them more important in our lives than God is. Do you know that Satan offered Jesus the entire world? Yeah, he offered Jesus everything. In fact, this is I think my final scripture, this is what he said. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, listen to what Satan says to Jesus in this moment. To you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He offered Jesus the world. Do you know why Jesus turned it down? Because he had a vision of something better. He knew who he was. He knew that to settle for all the kingdoms on earth, to settle for everything on earth would be so far out of his intended purpose. It would be so far to the left of what God created him for. And so he just turned it down. What would you do? What would you do in the situation that Jesus was in? Because can I suggest to you that Satan offered the entire world to Jesus, the entire, all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus in a moment of time to stop him from doing what he was created to do. Can I suggest to you this morning that that as a plan and a strategy, it still works today? Do you understand this morning that actually Satan would offer you everything, feed you anything to actually make sure that you don't fulfill the purpose for which God created you? He would offer you anything. Look, do anything, pursue anything. If, if you're afraid of what you'll lose, he'll feed your fears. 
If you're afraid and, and you think, oh, if I focus on that, he'll even give you money. He would give you, I mean, if he's going to give the entire kingdoms of all the world to Jesus, he'll give you whatever he can to make sure that your focus is not on seeking first the kingdom of God. So can I just ask you, I mean, really quickly, like, what is your focus today? What is the thing? Because if you want to know what your focus is, tell me your greatest fear. And that's probably your focus. Your greatest fear. If fear is dominating your mind, then that's probably the thing that you're focusing on right now. And can I tell you that if you spend all your time, whatever you focus on intently, eventually becomes your master. Because it dominates you. And it governs your decisions. And it makes decisions. It's like decisions are even out of your hand. You'd like to do something different with your life, but you're unable to because you're crippled by fear. You're crippled by the idea of loss. You're crippled by... I don't know how this is going to work out. Even that as a thought, sometimes for some people it would be crippling. But if you're not negotiable, if you're not negotiable, if if the world has nothing to offer you, then you are free to actually worship the kingdom. By the way, by the way, how did Satan even get the world in the first place to offer? What did he say? He said, for it has been delivered to me. Did Jesus call him a liar? No, he did not. He didn't turn around and say, you're a liar. So how did Satan get the world in the first place? It was delivered to him. Back in the garden, Adam and Eve, God created, you know how it goes, God created Adam and Eve and their job was to establish God's rule and reign, His dominion on the earth and to extend the borders and the boundaries of Eden. And instead of actually doing that, Satan came and he talked them out of it and he said, hey, why would you go for all of that when you could be like Him? And they decided that they were going to establish their own kingdom. They wanted their own power. They wanted knowledge. They chose knowledge and power over God's kingdom. Look, the truth is there are so many things that we could choose over God's kingdom. And the first Adam, he came and made a mistake. But there was a second Adam that came. His name was Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? He said, yours is the kingdom. He was God. He he was God Himself. And He said, yours is the kingdom. The power and the glory now and forever. Amen. Jesus was the one who led the life. He was the one that led that perfect life, enabling us to get back to the place where we need to be. A place and in a position of dominion, of authority, of control. You know, a life with Jesus is a life of miracles. A life with Jesus is a life of supernatural stuff. A life with Jesus is makes the impossible possible. But can I just tell you something this morning? It's a life you'll never have if you don't seek His kingdom. And you'll get to the end of your life and you'll look back And at that point, you'll wonder what your life might have been like. What might it have been like if instead of living out of a place of fear, a place of loss, worrying about all the things that could be added, you'll wonder what your life could have ended up like if you had of sought, if you'd seek first the kingdom of God. Do you know that this, in 2008, Seven, there was a movie called The Bucket List. And The Bucket List uh, is this movie with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. And these guys, they wake up in hospital together. And Morgan Freeman's going to die. And so he, him and Jack Nicholson, long story short, they basically, they become friends. 
And he decides there's all these experiences that he wanted to have in life, all these things he wanted to do with his life. But it wasn't until he got given the death sentence that it made everything clear, it made everything simple. And he said, now I'm going to start doing what I was, what all these experiences, all these things that I wanted to do, I'm going to start doing those things now. Here's my encouragement to you. Don't wait till you get there before you make that kind of decision. The truth is there's a bucket list that's written, it's inscribed on your heart. You know that it's there. You know there are things that you've been created for. And for many of you, you understand that you haven't even fulfilled them. If you think that you've fulfilled everything that God created you for right now, you've got another thing coming. Because otherwise, right now, that means you've fulfilled your purpose. Rather than make any more mistakes, we should just take you out the back and shoot you. Your job is done. Wish you all the very best. But you've got to know something. God has created you for something more than even maybe what you're doing right now. And inscribed on your heart is a bucket list. Inscribed on your heart is a, is a bunch of situations and circumstances that you know that you need to tackle. There are things that you need to do. There are jobs that need to be complete. And here's my encouragement. Live the life that you wanna live now. The, the life that you wish you had, live it now. So when you get there, you don't look back and say, I wish my life was somebody else's. I wish that I had have done what other people did. Don't live life in regret. Can we stand together this morning? In the Scripture we were reading before, Jesus said, what would a man give in return for his soul? That's the words of someone in regret. That's the words of someone who wishes that they did something different with their life. What would a man give in return for his soul? You know, the truth is some people would give anything to go back and get a do-over in life. They'd give anything. If I could just go back, even now, if you think about your own life, there are probably things in your own life, even now for everyone in this room, you go, boy, I wish I could have gone back and done that differently. I wish I handled that conversation a bit better. I wish that I spoke to that person differently. I wish I did all these things differently. I'm suggesting to you this morning, rather than getting to the end of your life and saying, I wish I did the whole thing differently. I wish I took more risks. I wish I took more chances. I wish I didn't always be so safe because I was afraid of what I was going to lose. I wish that I had have just sought first the kingdom because I've got one life and I spent it being worried. I spent it being anxious. And it's not the life that I wanted to live. I believe I was created for more and I just don't want to miss it. I just don't want to miss it. I'm going to finish right now. So I'm going to speed this up very simply. If you don't want to miss your created purpose, if you don't want to miss what God's got for you, if you don't want to go to the grave with your bucket list and it's still not have everything striked off that list, then why don't you just raise your hands? I want to pray that God gives you courage. I want to pray that God comes and He ministers to you and He speaks to you. So just so we're clear right now, if you want to live out the purpose for which God created you, then raise your hands as a sign of surrender. That's what this is for, for the people that don't want to miss why God made them, for the people that don't want to live in regret, for the people that don't want to get to the end of their life and say, oh, I wish I did it differently, but I was dominated by fear and I was dominated by worries and the anxiousness, but that, that, that is all these things. That is all these things. And Jesus said to you, and He says to you today, that if you seek first His kingdom, all the things that you're worried about, that they'll take care of themselves. Listen, stop worrying right now in Jesus' name. 
Stop worrying about what the future will look like. Stop worrying about what will happen. You know, seek first His kingdom. The best decision you'll make with your life right now is to seek His kingdom. All your needs will be met. That's not my promise, it's His. It's on Him and He's able to do it. Let me pray for you in Jesus' Name right now for everyone with hands raised. I pray, God, that they would not miss the reason why You created them. I pray for everyone here, the Lord, that You'd give them courage. I pray that fear would be dispelled in Jesus' Name, that it wouldn't rob people of the experiences that You've got for them in life. I pray Your Kingdom come. I pray You will be done in their lives as it is in heaven. I believe, Jesus, that even as I'm saying this, that You are beginning to minister into the hearts of people, that the presence of Your Spirit is beginning to even pour out. I ask in Jesus' Name, things that were buried out of fear to be resurrected and to be brought back to life. I ask in Jesus' Name right now that for anyone who's dominated by that sense of loss, in Jesus' Name, may that be dispelled. And I pray for a people, a holy people, set apart for Your purpose to be free this morning to pursue Your Kingdom. Lord, we want to be a church that seeks first Your Kingdom. We say to You, Jesus, that we will seek first Your Kingdom and Your righteousness. And in Jesus' Name, that all these things and everything that we need, that those things will be added to us as Your people. In Jesus' Name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we give God a hand of praise this morning. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.